I've tried everything. I've tried multi-level marketing. I've tried Amazon sales. I've tried just side hustling with like Uber and all these other things. I've tried everything. But I realized very quickly that 90% of the world's millionaires are made through real estate. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey guys, welcome to a new show. On today's show, I have Mike Glassby. Mike is from originally from Houston, Texas. Uh, he is a commercial real estate broker in Fayetteville, North Carolina. The last 10 years he served in the U.S. Army Special Operations. Since purchasing his first investment property in 2014, Mike has completed several transactions in a variety of ways, such as subject to investing, wholesales, flips, buy and holds. Mike currently holds 36 rental properties, controls over 1.5 million um, of assets under management, and he's the co-founder of Five Pillars. You guys are familiar with Five Pillars. We talked to, um, um, help me out, Mike, Shelby. Shelby. We talked to Shelby. Shelby. Yep, and we talked to Dan. So this is a part of the team. I've been getting connected to these guys. These guys have been doing some really awesome things in North Carolina. So Without further delay, I want to welcome Mike to the show. Mike, how are you, man? How's everything been going? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. Good, good, man. I know I read your bio, man, but I like I like for the guests to really just introduce themselves to the audience. Um, we here at the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, we love equity. We love what you guys are doing. So quickly, introduce me to Mike. How did Mike get started? Absolutely. So the long story short version, uh, you know, Texas boy, born and raised, uh, came from a, a fairly small family, always wanted to do more, do more, do more. Um, first one in the family to go to college, first one in the family to join the military, you know, so forth and so on. As you read in my bio, I joined the uh, special operations community, did that whole thing. For me, all these things are great. It was fun. It was adventurous. But I found a certain point in time when I was like, I have to find another option aka real estate kind of came into the picture right okay. um at, at that point in time 2014 bought my first property house hacked it you know had some roommates in there didn't even know what house hacking was at the time but had some roommates <laughs> in there um held it and then i just started realizing the power that the va loan gave me and then i just started snowballing right so va uh we did a live-in flip um the whole shebang and then as everybody knows the the First issue running to is money, right? So I got creative, yep. as you heard, you know, some subject to some wholesales, things of that nature. And then I finally just decided to, to, to go to the dark side and get licensed. As get a license, huh? Okay. And so okay. That's, where, that's where me and Shelby and Dan, our journey started on that end as well. Yeah. Okay. So you said some very key things there, man. Um, so I know you said that you wanted to do something different. So what was yeah. that inspiration? Why, why did you want to say, you know what? I got something good going on here in the military. I want to do something a little bit different. Absolutely. So um, for everybody, every man and woman who, who <clears throat> serves uh, in, in our armed forces, 
God bless them. I respect them with so much because there, there's a sacrifice there that many people don't realize. It's not just the actual threat of combat, but it's the time away from your loved ones, from your family. Um, you miss many, many important events in your life. Uh, for me, the catalyst for me was I actually lost my best friend and I was stuck away somewhere where not only was I not informed of him passing, wow. but I missed his entire funeral. I missed the entire, the entire thing and I came back and found out. And wow. so for me, that's when it really kind of just, that was the, the gut-wrenching moment where I said, okay, this is fun, this is adventurous, but I'm missing out on key moments like this. I need to find, you know, something else. And, and, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but the military, they offer this, it's, I guess it's not really a program, but they say, hey, you work for us for 20 years and then we'll provide you a pension for the rest of your mm -hmm. life. And that's why many people in the military fight and they say, man, you have to do 20. You've done 10, might as well do another 10. You know, go for that 20. My goal was, hey, if I can replace this so-called pension with anything else, then that's what I was going to do. Exactly, exactly. And that was it, yeah. Okay, all right. So your whole ambition was like, hey, okay, I did my time here in the military. Definitely rewarding, had some ups, had some downs, right. you know, but there has to be something else. So all tell right. me, that something else, that first deal, man, why real yeah. estate? So, so uh, as I mentioned, I bought my first house in 2014. It was a VA loan. Wasn't a good investment, by the way. It was not a good investment. It was, you know, right off the market. I paid market price for it, but I started house hacking. I had a couple roommates. Okay. And I tried everything. I've tried multi-level marketing. I've tried Amazon sales. I've tried just side hustling with like Uber and all these other things. I've tried everything, but I realized very quickly that 90% of the world's millionaires are made through real estate, right? And the more I read and the more I researched and the more I studied, people kept saying real estate. I was like, I'm already doing this. So the first deal was a house hack. But truly, right after that, I did a subject two, right? So a subject okay. two, for those who don't know, is essentially the loan stays in the original owner's name. The mortgage stays in the original owner's name, but the property is deeded over to me. And it worked out very well because military town, they had to move but they yep. just bought it a year ago. They had no equity, so they couldn't sell it, right? Yep. So it worked out. It was a really good situation. I grabbed this property. No kidding. I grabbed this property for $1,800. So, $1, so, yep. so wait, Mike. So because a lot of people always say it's impossible to do some of the things that you just outlined and that you just said. Mm -hmm. First of all, subject to what even made you think about doing that? Was that just from your research reading or what? Yeah, and kind of research reading for sure. It was, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the money. That's everybody's, you know, uh, barrier, right? The first obstacle is, oh, I don't have enough money to invest in real estate. Uh, I just re chose, I refused to, to allow that to be my, my limitation, right? So I told okay. myself, instead of me saying, oh, I don't, let me say how. How can I buy it? How can I buy it? So I really started researching on everything with no and low money, zero money out of pocket, this, that. And I came across the idea of um, just gaining possession, whether it was through adverse possession or whatever the case is, um, you know, generating capital through wholesaling, seller finance, owner finance, um, all these different options. And I just talked to as many people as I could. And I just happened to find that, that deal at the time. They were in a very, for them, stressful situation. It was a right. very unique situation. But I was able to now provide that, that solution for them. Right. And so all Absolutely. I did was help solve their issue. And in turn, I was in the right opportunity, the right place. And I, you know, okay. I was able to take advantage of it. So how did you, how did you find those quote unquote distressed sellers? 
Yeah, so so we're a big military town, right? So um, everybody here knows somebody who's about to move or just got here, so forth and so on. So these were actually, a, I was at a like a get together, like a party, right? Just at a friend's house. And another couple was talking about, hey, we're about to leave. We're about to move. We have to sell our house. The realtor told us that we would have to pay $10,000 just to sell just the to home. Sell. Just because okay. they didn't have any equity, right? They used a VA loan. They bought it a year ago. So I was sitting there listening to him. I was like, well, hey, have you thought about renting it? Oh, well, we don't want to deal with that. So for me, I was like, well, maybe I could rent it, you know? Yeah. Or, or hey, um, have you thought about owner financing? Well, we still have a mortgage. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I just kind of kept playing with it. And I got their contact information. And I just continued to follow up with many different solutions until we final, finally settled on uh, the subject, too. And, and it kind of just worked out that way. So that's good, man. You kept your eyes and your ears open. You knew what you wanted to do. And that's why I tell people, when you know what you want to do, those opportunities will find you. You don't have to always go out there and dig and kick over rocks and everything like that. Sometimes just by having those antennas up, those deals come to you. So you were looking and you overheard the conversation and you're like, okay, what can I do to solve these people's problem? You know, and in turn, it becomes a solution for me. Uh, well, opportunity for me. So kind of what was the numbers on the property? How did you guys structure the subject to this is your first time doing it. So kind of take us through those emotions, man, because I know it can be kind of frightening. Absolutely. So um, I was scared, but I never showed that to them. Right. I was cool, (laughs) calm and collected. Um, But um, the way it worked out was I actually found an attorney here in North Carolina that focuses on creative solutions like that. He's a real estate investor himself. He's extremely savvy with that type of deal. That was rule number one. That was key for me um, because I could have went anywhere else, but then I really would have been driving the bus at that yep, point in time. Yep. And a lot of mistakes could have happened. Yeah. So what I did was I piggybacked off of somebody that I knew they knew the system and I, and I was willing to pay a premium for that, right? It still wasn't expensive, but I was willing to pay that premium for that coaching or that guidance. Right. Um, now, with that being said, I went in, I said, hey guys, one of their concerns was what happens if you don't pay my mortgage, mm-hmm. right? Rightfully yep. so. And the, the answer to that is if I did not pay their mortgage, they would still foreclose. I would lose the property and their credit would be messed up. Mm-hmm. So I had to find a way to kind of structure it or package it to where it was still beneficial and safe for them. So the way we did it was I covered all closing costs with the attorney. They didn't have to pay anything, which was only 1800 bucks for both sides of the deal. Not bad to include the land trust and everything else, which I'll get into shortly. And then we put in clauses that said, hey, if I ever miss a payment, then I have enough money in escrow to simply just change the deed right back to it. Okay. See what I'm saying? So that was kind of like that safety net. So worst case scenario, they got a few months, a few years, whatever, of their mortgage paid for. And then if I messed up, they get the property back with a little bit more equity. Right. Okay. Worst case scenario. Um, but the way we structured it is because with subject twos, one of the biggest things that people are scared of is the due on sale clause, which essentially means the lender, if they know that you sold the property or changed ownership, they may say, hey, I want my mortgage paid off right now, right? And so yep. it could be whatever the mortgage amount is, they say, I want you to pay it within the next 30 days. So in order to avoid that, what we did was we created a land trust where I was the beneficiary or my company was the beneficiary but the land trust just retained the name of the original owners. So Mm -hmm. when we actually did our our full um, uh, special warranty deed transfer, when we actually Uh transferred over the deed, it just went from their name 
to their name. Their name. Right? It was a lender right, right. their name. And so the lender just said, oh, okay, everything's fine. That, that just to stop you right there, because that was that's that's ingenious. Yeah. Because that's what a lot of people are concerned about is that yes. due on sale clause. Although, I mean, I've done deals and never had any issue with the mortgage company saying, "Okay, right, due on sale clause is initiated. I want all of my money." They really don't care who pays the mortgage as long as it gets paid. Right. But to hedge yourself against that even happening. That was a smart strategy. Now, was that something that the attorney uh, yes. introduced to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's I'm why it's very take, important. Exactly. I'm not going to take credit for that. That was not my idea. And that is why I partnered, you know, I aligned myself with somebody who had that experience and that knowledge. And that's, and that's why I tell people, sometimes you have to pay, for, pay a premium, yeah. you know, in order to make things happen. That's something that you never took into consideration. He brought that up. So you paid for that one measure right there, saved you, you know, X amount of dollars and saved them X amount of dollars in, in getting the deal done. Okay, so you got everything done. So what did you do? You're at the closing table. Now you're in possession of this property. What's next? How did you find your tenants? Um, let's start there. So um, I went and I found another expert. I got found a property manager. Right. Uh, okay. And so I knew I knew I could go in there and I could try to wheel and deal it. Mind you, my entire real estate career, I don't know if I've mentioned this, everything up until this point has been done while I'm still active duty military. So I still have a full time job. I'm still technically active duty uh, right, right now. Right. So. Okay. So with that being said, my time was very I valued my time very much. And it was very limited. So I knew that I could try and go out there and find a tenant and get the property right, or I could just leverage it and get a property manager. So I got a property manager, we put a tenant in it, and it actually stayed, it was very beautiful property. It was a great property, no problems renting it. It rented for roughly about $12.50 a month, give or take. Okay. The mortgage was roughly about $8.50, give or take. So there you go. The, the property management took their 10%. I, I was cash flowing somewhere, at, you know, after all the write-offs, there's somewhere about 150 but really closer to, you know, $200, $300. Um, so it was cash flowing from day one. There was a tenant in there in, 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 a, in like a week or two. The property was built 2009-ish. This was way back in. This was in 2016. So the, the property was built in 2009, still brand, brand new property. Mm -hmm. HVAC was good. Roof was good. There was really no CapEx spent throughout the duration of those two years. At the end of the two years that it was fully leased and I was cash flowing, I just so happened to have acquired my license within that time. So I sold that property. Sold it. Okay. I sold it. And now, now there was actually equity built into at this point because, you know, the mortgage was been, has been able to uh, uh, be paid down. down. But the market actually did appreciate just a little bit. So it gave me enough spread that I was actually able to retain somewhere around $18,000 at the end of the wow. sale. So wow. So $1,800 in the beginning. I listed it at 180 when I finally sold it. And after it's all said and done to include like the commission cuts and everything else, about $18,000 on the net profit on the sales side. So, so uh, it, it was a great deal for me. Rare, but it was a great, great deal. And it just sparked the fire to continue to go out there. I've, I've done multiple subject twos now. And, and I love that creative approach. I bet. To I bet. Uh, real estate. So you took that $1,800. And not only did you make the $18,000, but you built the team. Now you have an attorney that you can lean upon. Yes. Now you have a property manager that you can lean upon. Also, that family that you helped out, 
somebody yes. ever comes to them, they can refer to you. You, exactly. you close the deal, you got your license. So that one transaction, that $1,800 that you put up, look how much more you gained from it. So, and I'm not sure if I missed it, Mike, but how did you yeah. find the uh, property management company? So I, I went around and I interviewed four or five different property management companies. Okay. Funny enough, this one that I stuck with was actually a referral. Somebody just said, hey, this is a great company. You should interview them. And so it just worked out that way. But I, at the time, I personally was concerned with a few things. Um, one, how responsive would they be? Um, and then how much, um, I guess, insight might be the right word, but how much insight can I have on the property and what's going on? And, and what many people will see when you're interviewing property management companies, some of them are a little bit old school. You know, mm -hmm. they do everything by paper and they have everything in files and folders. Yep. And then some have online portals or something where you can go on and say, all right, well, let me, you know, uh, download the lease or let me see the work invoices. Let me see what the owner statement. And that's what I really enjoyed about this company. Now, since then, I've interviewed many more and I found other ones to partner with. But at the moment, that was most important to me. That okay. Okay. So are you still working with that property management company? Actually, I'm not. Another? I'm not. Okay. Yeah. I moved on to another property management company that uh, checks so many more boxes for, for okay. my type of strategy and for my clients as well. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily something that they did. It's just that you grew and you needed to, to someone to grow with you. Okay. Exactly. It was a strategic partnership move at the, at the time. They're still a great company and I actually still refer them out to a lot of the more um, higher end um, homes out here and homeowners mm -hmm. out here. I still, I still refer them out. Okay. So you did the house hack, you did the subject to deal. Uh, what was next? What was next after that? So the next one for me is actually a pretty interesting story. It's a live in flip, but again, I, I use my VA loan. So okay. what we try to educate a lot of our clients on is you can go out and buy a foreclosure property with a homeowner occupied loan, like a VA, a FHA, yep. et cetera. But when you do that, typically on foreclosures, you're walking into equity. You're walking into a, a you know, it may be distressed, but regardless of the condition, you typically have equity because it's a foreclosure. So I, I came into a property, I bought it with the VA loan for about 140, give or take, it was 144. But um, when I walked in, the condition was fine. It needed paint, it needed new appliances, mm -hmm. you know, maybe some landscaping. But I went in, I moved in, and I lived it, I painted it, I you know, removed like this deck that was back there. I did all these different things. And 12 months later, maybe 10 months later, I put it on the market. I put it on the market at $190,000, and it sold, it was under contract in less than 48 hours. Wow. Now, I was not licensed at the time. So I had a realtor, a great friend of mine. He came in, he helped me out. And we went to sell it. And at that time, I netted somewhere around $20,000. Like I got a check for somewhere around $20,000. I was like, man, this is, this is great. But I looked uh -huh. at the closing disclosure <laughs> and I saw that I paid about $12,000, give or take, in commission. Yep. yep. That was it. That was it. I was like, I'm getting licensed. This is, I'm getting licensed. I don't know what I'm doing. If I plan on doing this for the rest of my life, I don't care if I'm going to help out a client or if I'm just doing it for myself. The return on the investment is obviously there. Just get the license. Absolutely. And that's what I tell people. People getting started, they always say, well, should I get a license? Should I not get a license? I said, ask yourself this. Is this going to be a career or is this something that you're just going to do once or twice? I said, right. if it's going to be a career, get your license because 
you're going to make that money hand over fist on the back end. You know, right. not only will you be able to help families and friends, you know, sell properties, which, you know, those transactions put money in your pocket, but when you're doing your own deals, you know, um, so that's, that's one of the positive things about getting your license guys is that I know some people say, well, you got to deal with the broker. You got to pay the broker fees and all of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you're paying that broker anyway when you pay that commission to that realtor because yep. part of that commission is going to that broker. So why not keep the majority of it versus, you know, giving it away? So good job, man, for getting your license. Smart thinking, you know, save that money. So now you have 36 doors. Mm -hmm. um, when did you get started? How long ago was this? 2009, was it? So, so technically my first purchase was in 2014 is when 2014. I got my first house. Yep. Okay, so 2014, we're five years later, you have 36 doors. How? How did it happen? It, uh, so I really picked up the investment towards the end of 2016, beginning of 2017 is when, when the light bulb finally clicked for me. So I had that house in 2014 and I was house hacking, but it wasn't until the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, where I said, this is where I need to be, right? And that's when I did that subject to deal and so forth and so on. As soon as I did that subject to deal, I didn't sell it for two years later. So I didn't get the 18,000 in profits so or two years later. So I said, right. how many more deals can I do right now just like this? And that just kind of sparked the fire. I went, I did a few wholesales. Some of them were good, some of them were bad. I lost some mm -hmm. money. Uh, all this back and forth, trying to find ways to create some money. And I finally decided that the whole point of this, as I mentioned earlier, is to re or to replace that pension, right? So in yep. order for me to do that, I need buy and hold. I need residual passive income. That's what I need. Yep. So I focused more and more on, on buying properties. We went through, and I mean, there's some great lenders out here that we've used that allow for like 15% down payments, you know. Uh, wow. Uh, I don't want to say it out loud, but basically like a ninja loan, you're just like, uh -huh. I got it. Like, I'm good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can like write it off. So, I mean, there's some great uh, lenders out here that allowed me to grab like four or five properties real quick. You know, just do, 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 save my money, make some more money, do this, do this, and then buy a couple really cheap properties. I'm talking... 60,000, 70,000 okay. with 15% yep. down, 20% down, so forth and so on. But it wasn't until I started to partner. So you've already talked with Shelby, you started, you talked with Dan. Um, it wasn't until I started to partner with like-minded individuals with the same type of, you know, drive, ambition, drive, yep. goals that we exploded. Uh, out of my portfolio, 27 of them were acquired in the past year. Wow. So, I mean, okay. yeah, it's, it's, it was slow start. I was out there, you know, grinding one step here, three here, four here, and then boom, it just exploded. So it was just through partnership and leverage is, is where it kind of, you know, so, started to, to grow. So let's kind of talk about that because a lot of people, when they get started, they think, you know, Hey, I can, you know, make $500,000 in my first year. You mm -hmm. know, it's a, it's a slow process. Um, although you can make money on the front end, just like you said, you know, with the 18, hundred converted into 18,000 in your, in your, um, house hack and everything right. like that. But over the time, like I said before, you're building that team. You found Shelby, you guys started working together. So those 35 doors and, and one other thing remind me to come back to was the wholesaling that you talked about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> the main thing was you stay focused and you knew what your end goal, why right. you were doing it. You said, Hey, I need to replace this pension. I need passive income. I can always go out here and do transactions and transactions, but that's not going towards your end goal. So 
kudos for you, man, for keeping that in mind and being focused on that. So we'll come back to the 35 doors. Right, Let's kind of right. dig into these, these wholesale deals because you said something that was key. You said I made some money and I lost some money on some. Yep. What happened? Tell me about that loser. So the, the, the loss was painful. Um, right? So what I did was, you know, I, I read the books, went to the little three-day seminars that most people do. I watched the blogs. Wholesaling to me seemed real easy, real quick money. The problem was I really didn't understand the market. I didn't really understand how to uh, value a property. And I didn't really understand the process of repairs, right? So coming from the buyer's mind. So I went in, I read a lot, and I was like, no, this makes sense. I can do the formula. You know, the whole uh, max allowable offer mm -hmm. is whatever, 70% of the ARV minus repairs minus your, you know, all that good stuff. So I'll sit there, I can do this. It's easy. It's math. It's numbers. I go in, and I finally secure a deal. I finally secure a deal. My first deal, I'm feeling good. I got it under contract, and I give it to every buyer that I know ever in existence. I go to all the meetups, and I'm handing out these flyers, and I'm saying, this is it. This is the one, guys. I got turned down by everybody and everybody told me I had it under contract for $20,000 more than what uh -huh. the, any of them would have paid for it. So, but to kind of backtrack, the way I secured it, it was I put a lot of money down with the seller so I can lock up that property. Oh, Non-refundable wow. deposits. <laughs> so how much, how much did you put down? For that one, it was like fifteen hundred bucks. But for me, that's like, still you know, a lot. For it's a, a wholesale, lot. yeah. It's a, for a wholesale, people are doing it for a dollar. People are yeah. out here doing it, you know, for ten dollars, a hundred dollars. I put fifteen hundred down because I was so excited to get this deal, and it ran. I lost the fifteen hundred. The, the her brother, the seller's brother, was living in the property. The brother completely moved out. Completely moved uh. out. Had nowhere to go. <laughs> so. I felt so bad. I, I lost my $1,500, but I essentially forced the brother out, put him in a homeless yep. situation. Uh, the seller still had the property that she couldn't afford. It was just so bad. I lost credibility. I lost money. Yep. It was not good. It was not good. And, and so that's, good. that's some of the bad parts about wholesaling that I tell people. Uh, one, um, you put $1,500 down. Wait. And not only that, you put it down as non-refundable. So you had no way to back out of the deal yeah. at all, you know. So guys, when you're doing wholesale deals, don't do what Mike did. Don't, do <laughs> don't put $1,500 down, non-refundable. Try and do something respectful, but at the same time, make sure you have, you know, that inspection period so you can back out. Yes. Um, I understand what you're talking about when you talk about, you know, you put the, um, the seller's brother in a precarious position because he moved out. Uh, long story short, I just had a deal that we did. It was a wholesale deal and we were going back and forth. We got the property under contract, uh, decent price under contract. Um, but the buyer was using a hard money lender, came back the appraisal. It didn't appraise out. Mm. So thankfully we had enough spread in there to where we can decrease the sale price to them so they were still able to do the deal but in the meantime i'm going back to the seller asking for extensions i need an extension right. i need an extension so we were supposed to close in two weeks it ended up being like two and a half months you know he moved out him and his family moved out so it was a bad situation 
all in all, we were able to get the deal. He was able to still close and walk away with his money, but it kind of shot my reputation, right. you know, a little bit, and it put them in a bad situation. So, guys, just so you know, wholesaling can be done, but there are some red flags that can possibly come up. So, man, so I'm glad that that wholesale deal didn't deter you from continuing on on your real estate journey, man. So that's that's definitely a plus. So Mike, let's let's go into these thirty five, okay. thirty five or thirty six properties that you own now. Because the power of your network, you met Shelby. You guys closed twenty seven deals in the last year. Twenty seven yeah. doors in the last last year. How did that happen? How did that transpire? I know you're a realtor. Were there were they on the MLS? Were there listed properties, off market properties? How did you guys find? Them? Every single one of them were off market. Um, we've, we've attempted to put in offers on on market, uh, but we our success has been off market. So the way it worked was ever since I've been here in the area, there's a small five unit property that I always drive by. And I always told myself, I want to own that. I want to own that. I want to own that. So now that I had the network and I had the ability to move on a property like that, I started to cold call the owner. Mm-hmm long long debates back and forth for about four months there are multiple offers multiple people and i said you know i was finally secured and i said hey i want to buy this from you once we showed that we were serious and we came forth after about four months we put that property under contract little did i know that she actually owned so much more so because she was so happy in that transaction she opened up the portfolio for us so we found another eight units through her and then at the same time, I was representing one of my clients. Since I'm the commercial broker, I deal primarily with large multifamily or small multifamily, depending on where you're mm-hmm. at. But it was a 13 unit that I was representing for my client. And I was talking to the owner. He had another eight units. So wait, man, wow. let me see those. All right, let me grab those. So we got those. And it just continued to go. We found um, a, we also do Airbnb arbitrage, which okay. is essentially just a sublease. Yep. You know, and then we rent over that and pay off the lease and then we, we retain the profit. But when we were doing that, the property manager showed us these properties. Come to find out, he owns some multifamily, and so it was just that conversation and that you know uh, camaraderie or whatever it was that allowed us to open up that 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 port, open up access to see what it is that people had. So every single one of our successes or one of our purchases primarily came across just like talking to people and finding out how to solve their issues. Their issues, you know. So for the first thirteen. She was very elderly. Her husband just passed. She needed money so she can get up and move to California to, to be with her, with her daughter. Got it. Now let me make this as easy for you as possible. Now it doesn't really matter what price point it is. I can make the terms more available for her and so forth and so on. That's kind of how we, we tackle each one. So, and that's why I tell people, you know, it's really being that solutionist. Right. It's finding that problem and saying, okay, how can I help this person in this situation? She was elderly. Her husband passed away. She don't want to manage, you know, all of those units. She don't yeah. even want to deal with a property manager right now. She's grieving. The only thing she want to do is get out to California, you know, with her daughter. So yeah. you step in and you say, okay, I can make this favorable for you. This is how we can do it. And this is how we, you guys got it done. You know, so I tell people and guys, listen, you know, it's the power of networking. You can't just sit behind your desk analyze properties, analyze properties. You have to get out. You have to speak with people, talk with people and make things happen. So 
Mike, how did you guys finance those properties? Um, we still where did you find the money? <laughs> <laughs> but we 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 are uh, resourceful. So we didn't have the money sitting in the bank account. Um, okay. What we did was uh, again one of the lenders that we use a lot down here provides a line of credit. They have a personal and a business line of credit. It's a very awesome program because for every entity you own you can apply for another line of credit. So we individually have our own entities. We collectively have entities as partners and we apply for those lines of credit. Upwards of $50,000 a line of credit on each one of these things. And that gave us the ability to go in for the down payments, right? Gotcha. So yes, we're double leveraged. We are, but on the grand scheme of things, we ran the numbers to make sure that the cash flow could, could afford both the, the primary loan as well as that secondary line of credit or whatever it is that we use to leverage. Um, and by partnering, you know, just say I have $50,000, Dan has 50, Shelby has 50. Collectively, that's $150,000 that we can put on a down payment. And the down payments are not that expensive here, right? Our markets, right. our margins are, the highest one is like a $400,000 purchase for an eight unit. It was, a, you know, the five unit was like a $300,000 purchase. So these, okay. these loans are, are fairly affordable. And we go, through one lender for our long-term loan and we go to one lender for our lines of credit. But those, those relationships are established now that they can kind of just recycle it pretty quick. I mean, hey, we're ready to apply for another one. Here's the pre-approval. You know, here's the money. Let's move forward. And a good thing about lines of credit is you're not refinancing your house. So you don't have, you know, all of those closing costs yes. and fees and everything like that versus if you say, okay, well, I need the money. I'm going to refinance this property to pull equity out and then use it for this property over here, then right. you have closing costs on that transaction plus closing costs on your other transaction, you know? So that's, that's very smart using that line of credit, man, to, um, to really secure those deals. So Mike, real quick, we're going to take a quick break, uh, hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come back and we'll talk more about these 35 doors. Okay. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers. With 100% coverage across the U.S., PropString provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to crowd.propstreampro.com slash we love all right, so we're back, Mike. Um, we have Mike here with us on the We Love Equity podcast, and we're talking about some creative things. Mike's been talking about subject two. He's been talking about um, wholesaling. He's talked about house hacking. He's talked about passive income and multifamilies. So right now, if you missed anything, you better go back and you better listen from the beginning because Mike has definitely dropped some gems. So Mike, going back to the 35 units, how are you guys managing those? Are you, because you're a realtor, do you guys have your own property management arm to your brokerage or do you outsource that? 
we, we outsourced it. Uh, one of the things that we discussed about this was focusing on our one thing, right? What's our one thing? As a real estate team, transactions are our one thing. As an investment group, passive income is our one thing. And in order for it to be truly passive, we wanted to leverage out as many third party companies or resources that we could. So property management contractors, so forth and so on. So we do have a con, uh, I'm sorry, we do have a property manager that uh, manages all of our rentals. And it's actually the one that we now recommend to most of our clients here in town as well, right? Our, our, our investors that want to invest in the same area because we truly vetted them and we know that they understand our mindset as investors, you know, the return on investment and they, they look at it very, uh, from the right point of view. Okay. Um, so when you guys bought those properties, were they already leased up? Did you have to go in and do any repairs? Let's start with the lease up. Were they already leased up? For the most part, yes. Most of them um, were occupied. We bought them with maybe, you know, just depending on the portfolio that we bought at the time, some of them may have had about 10% vacancy or something like that. Okay. It really wasn't all that bad. Um, but for the most part, we bought them with tenants. Now, when we bought them, every single one we bought, because they were mom and pop owned, they were being rented under market value, right? Yep. So yep. we knew that, but they were cash flowing at the time of purchase to cover our primary and our leverage down payment. So we were good to go with the expectation of the cash flow to increase here very shortly, you know, within yes. 12, to, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So you had a baked in hedge, honestly, because yes. you can always go in and, and reposition those properties and get a higher, higher exactly. cash flow or higher rental on it. Okay. So did you guys have to do any major repairs or anything like that? Nothing major. I mean, there was a, there was a water heater that was leaking on the top floor of one of the eight units, right? And so now we had to do a little drywall replace, but nothing crazy. Their, their roofs weren't falling in, you know, okay. uh, holes weren't in the subfloor. So overall, it was fairly standard repairs. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So now during this time of your investing, um, even with the wholesaling, did you ever have a time when you said, you know what? This is just not for me. This one deal kind of just crushed me. I, I don't think I need to do real estate anymore. It, I did, but it was a very interesting, it was a whole month for me. So okay. on the real estate transaction side, I had lined up somewhere around, it was like seven or eight deals that were supposed to close in October, right? And, and as you're aware, you know, you'll get a few deals here this month, this month. They were all set to close in October. We all know that some deals fall through. This particular month, every deal fell through. All out. Every deal. It was going to be somewhere down. around a net of about 15,000 in commissions that were just gone. And they didn't, they didn't get pushed. They completely fell through. At that point in time, I had a real, real serious heart, you know, <laughs> heart to heart, <laughs> heart, to right. heart with myself. Like, is this what you want, Mike? Is this what you want? Yeah. Um, not so much in the investment side of it. But uh, one thing I have noticed is just, I mean, everything, everything is a journey. Everything is a journey. You're, you're always going to have your ebbs and flows. You're always going to have your ups and downs. But the only people that reach success are those who are persistent. That's it. They just yep. keep knocking at the door. You know what I mean? Yep. Before it finally just opens. So for me, it's like, all right, Mike, I got a goal. I have a goal now. And, and I always kind of do like the end state and then backwards plan. So I know where my end state is. I'm just going to keep grinding until I get to that instinct, and then we're good to go. Okay. So uh, without going too deep, man, what's that goal? Where are you trying to get to? So for me, it's, uh, again, it's that replacing that pension, but it's creating that lifestyle. So it's a certain okay. number in passive income that I'm looking for. 
Gotcha. Once I'll reach that number, now I'm ready for the next journey, right? And okay. obviously, you know, people like us, we're never going to stop working. We're always going to find right, something, right? right? So, uh, but I won't, I won't necessarily have to work on the transaction space. You know, I won't necessarily have to do whatever it is to get money. I can go out now and, and explore other options and, and, and just see what that next chapter is. Okay, perfect, perfect. So are you guys looking or are you, I'm assuming you're looking to find your next deal always. Are you looking to go bigger? I know you guys have the 36 doors. Are you looking to get into additional multifamilies, you know, 100 doors, 200 doors? Are you looking at just in North Carolina? Are you looking at out of state kind of? What are you doing? Are you looking at syndications, going into syndications? What's next for you, Mike? So a little bit of all of that, to be honest. So uh, yeah, we are trying to scale. <laughs> we are trying to scale. We want to go, you know, the 100, 200 unit complexes. And we know that in order for us to, to, to accomplish that, we will have to syndicate. We will have to partner with some bigger players. Got it. So all of that is in the works. In the, in the, in the meantime, what we're looking for in the present is more arbitrages, more of these subleases where we can come in with very little capital, but truly increase our income. Or, okay. you know, our revenue that way. And with that money, now we can go out and find that big deal. So 2020 for us is more so about finding those opportunities to sublease to just really increase that income as the partnership and as a company and, and, and go from there. So for 2021, we can now expand into the extremely large multifamily space that, that we're talking about. The biggest thing for us, we're willing to go anywhere. We have to feel comfortable with the market, but we have to have the team. The team has to be there. It's not, I'm not just going to go to just for example, Jacksonville, Florida, just because it's a good market. We need the team, you know? So that's kind of like our one hurdle. I, most of my time now, when I find these markets I like, I'm spending my time interviewing the team, right? Who's the potential okay. boots yep. on the ground will be, who'd be the potential property manager, so forth and so on. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Mike, we're going to roll into our hot seat question round. Um, this, this, round i want you to answer these questions as quick as possible i may interject i may elaborate but i just want you to roll with it okay okay all right so starting over what would you do differently uh everything <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I think i would ask i think i would ask more questions um but I, i'm happy where it's at fail forward fail forward i'm happy where i'm at yep okay gotcha okay what is the greatest commodity outside of capital Ooh. Uh, relationships relationships that team there you yep. go okay what is one thing you can do to be more productive uh oh block a time block uh put it all on the calendar time block okay crucial all right and then what drives your ambition oh man honestly my family okay i want i want i want to set that that bar high i just want to show them everything you know is possible you know that's good that's good Okay, and what do you believe is your greatest challenge, internal or external? Oh, it's internal all day, just me. I am the challenge. I'm the roadblock a lot of times here, right between the years. Yep, so uh, yep. that, that's the biggest challenge, yep. Okay, and then what's the latest business book you've read? The One Thing by Gary Keller. Okay, all right. And then what's the latest real estate book you've read? Brian, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Brian Hennessy. He's an author for a lot of commercial real estate books, but basically his series, I can't remember the name. It was something like residential to commercial or something, but it was a Brian Hennessy book. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then how did you make that transition going from residential to commercial? Because you're a commercial so, broker. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I focus on commercial now. So I actually have my undergraduate in business and I'm currently studying for my MBA at Chapel Hill for business, right? Okay. Uh, me, I just, I enjoy business. I truly do. Everything from the operation side to the financial side, to the negotiation to the legal. And what I found is everything I do, whether it's in my investments or how I structure my things, it's all in the same vein as how you should and run and operate a business. Well, when you look at real estate, as a residential broker, a lot of times you're going to be representing the, the home buyer that just wants the house for their family and for their dog. It's not really a business mindset. It's an emotional mindset. Mm -hmm. And commercial real estate, it's really a lot about the asset. It's about how it's performing. It, they approach it very differently. They have business plans. They're looking at the profit and loss statements. So it's a very business-minded approach to commercial real estate. For me, it is just a natural fit. And so it was actually easy for me to transition over. The hardest part is just understanding the nuances of commercial real estate. But the conversations are, are very comfortable. They're, they're, they're almost the same. Okay. All right. So was there any, how was the learning curve going from the residential to commercial? It's really not that bad. It's not that bad. So the process of a real estate transaction is the exact same. You know, you negotiate the terms, you put it under contract, go through your inspection period, you know, get the appraisal, go to close, right? That's the long story short of it, but it's the same process. Uh, the, the learning curve really came into these systems. So how you operate the CRM, who are you marketing to, right? You're not marketing mm -hmm. to just a residential buyer, you're operating, or I'm sorry, you're marketing to uh, business owners, you're marketing to large firms who are looking for their next uh, franchise or for their next branch of their, you know, right. whatever, or regional arm or whatever the case may be. Um, and then the network. Uh, for again, for a residential, you may go to like a holiday mixer, just for example. I'm just throwing stuff out there. But for a commercial, you may go to the econ development center. You know, maybe their thing. And it's just how you network. That for me was the biggest learning curve, just understanding where I needed to be and who I needed to be talking to within the market. Um, which, yeah, overall, it's not it's not that bad. It's very similar. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, Mike, tell me, man, we talked about what's next. We talked about what you did in the past. We talked about what you're doing now. Um, tell me, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, how can we reach you? How can we find you? What's your social hangout areas, man? Where can we meet, Mike? That's, you can find me everywhere. Bigger Pockets. <laughs> I'm on Bigger Pockets a, a lot. Um, my Instagram, uh, just at michael.s.glasby. Facebook. Mike okay. G two, uh, yeah, but uh, or or just apply for his website. Um, you guys can go on there, uh, drop in, uh, send me an email, whatever it is. Yeah, just just okay. reach out to me. All right, well, guys, I'm gonna have all of that contact information for Mike down in the show notes, plus the books that he referenced, um, and some of the things that he's working on. So, Mike, I really want to appreciate you for being on the show, man. Thank you so much. I believe you gave our listeners some real things to chew on to get started on again from house hacking all the way up to commercial man you kind of filled filled everything so hey i want to appreciate you thank you guys remember find all of the information down in the show notes and mike any last words for our listeners uh i, I really appreciate the opportunity thank you very much for having me and the only advice i can give you guys is start now all right you heard it from Mike, start now. And guys, always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. 
You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.